Well, good morning, everyone. I hope uh, you're having a, a wonderful uh, day and uh, just uh, excited about getting uh, or continuing in our journey through the book of Mark, trying to answer two questions, uh, each an individual or each one of us to answer two questions uh, for ourselves. First, who is Jesus? As we move toward Easter, you know, who do we say he is? We've seen through Scripture there's been different answers to that question. Some people say a teacher. Some people have said a prophet. Others have said he's a healer. Uh, Some have said he's crazy. Others have said he's demon-possessed. So as you can kind of see, and others have said he's the Son of God. And as you see, you know, there's, you know, as far as like a multiple choice kind of test, if you're, you know, there's there's several several choices that that is laid in front of us. And uh, the the truth about this this you know this question is, it doesn't matter how I answer it. It matters how you answer it in your life, in your relationship with God. And then once that one's answered, the second question that we're hopefully helping and equipping you to answer is, what does it mean to follow Him? So last week, Pastor Eric um, talked about all of these healings and, and uh, how he was going around in, all, in this real big high point of ministry. And uh, today, is, as we continue, we're going to be continuing in chapter 6, uh, you might want to open up your Bibles uh, to there, that we see that now Jesus has returned home to Nazareth. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, Where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? They had obviously heard about about everything that Jesus was doing, that he was performing these miracles all around, that, that thousands of people were beginning to follow him. And he's sitting there in his hometown. This is where, where Jesus was, was, you know, raised. That, you know, little kid, you know, we, we hear in, you know, in, in, our, in our church, we, you know, we have E3 kids and we saw all these little kids running around and, you know, doing all sorts of different things that little kids do. And, and we get kind of a, a, a picture in our, in, in our minds about them. That, that, that they are a certain way. It's, it's, it's interesting as, um, well, Pastor Eric's daughter's growing up and my daughter, daughter's growing up and, and, uh, you know, they're starting to hit those teen, uh, uh, age and everything. And every so often, uh, uh, you know, somebody will, will see Madison walking in or something and they'll come up and like, you're like, wow, she's, she's, she's all grown up. I'm like, yeah, don't talk to me. You know, I, I, you know, it's like stuff that, you know, I, to me, I, I, I see her still as, as, as my, my, my little girl that uh, I actually have a picture of, of her that, that, you know, is a picture of my mind. It was back, I took this, uh, an actual picture and I have it, I have it up, but uh, I took it of her when she was five years old and her, her hair, it was during the summer and her hair had, had kind of grown out. We were playing 
uh, out by the, the swing set in our, in our backyard, and, and she had like thrown her hair back, and she was just, she was smiling. I happened to have a camera, and I took a picture at that moment of my, my little girl with just, you know, her summer, t- you know, hair just kind of in a mess, and, and not really a care in the world. You know, we were just hanging out, and that's, that's my, that's my Madison, uh, and, 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 you know, it, you know, but other people are, you know, they see her as, 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 as something different as a, you know, a 13 year old. And every so often I see that, believe me, as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, you get a picture in your mind about, about, about children. It, 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 a lot of times it's difficult to see them, uh, to be able to take them seriously as they, as they move into adulthood. And so Jesus is here, and, and what happens is they scoffed. And then they, they answer the question that we're trying to answer, who is Jesus? They scoffed and said, hey, he is just a carpenter. So here we go. We get to, we get to add another choice that, that we, can, we can answer here for ourselves. Who is Jesus? Well, the people in his hometown said, he's just a carpenter. He's a guy who, you know, can whittle a mean chair or, or, or whatever. I, I, you know, again, I, I know, you know, it's like, Mark, please don't talk about farming or, or herding or whittling of chairs. But, but, you know, whatever a carpenter does, they're like, yeah, that's, that's what he does. And, and you know, where, where does he get off, essentially, healing people and, and, and talking about things? of such a, a higher kind of purpose in, in nature. But they don't leave it there. They go on and say, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Notice who he's not the son of here. He's not the son of Joseph. And in this society, in this culture. You, you as a young man were identified with your father. And they're saying, he's just a carpenter and he's the son of Mary. And this insult is coming. It's like, you know what? You're illegitimate, Jesus. That's what they're essentially getting across here by not acknowledging Joseph as his father. Of course, we have the, the knowledge to know better. Actually, they, they were speaking the truth here, but in their minds, they're discrediting Jesus, not only as just someone who works with his hands, but also someone who is illegitimate, who was born illegitimately and has no father. This is his hometown, and they're saying, look, and his sisters, and they, he just, they all live here among us, and they were deeply offend, offended and refused to believe in him, believe in him as the coming Messiah, as the Son of God. They came up with their answer. Who is Jesus? Jesus is just a carpenter, and you know what? He comes from a sordid past, and he has no business teaching, or being influential in my life. And that was their choice. Then Jesus told them, 
and he's quoting Scripture here, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. That's a true prophecy. Family says he's crazy. His, 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 rel- his neighbors are saying he's nothing more than just a carpenter. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Now you might be sitting there going like, what do you mean, Mark, he couldn't do miracles? I'm trying to work through this, and, and, and Mark, I, I understand that, that you believe, you know, I personally believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's, that's how I've answered that question. But you might be sitting there going like, well, if he's truly the Son of God, why can't he do any miracles then in his, in his hometown or just or do a very few miracles in his hometown? I think it's very telling about just the very nature of God. You know, a lot of times we, we want to, you know, picture God as, as a, a vending machine. Like this great cosmic vending machine in, in, in the sky. And, and when we come to Him, our, our, our prayers, you know, are almost like we're, we see this whole thing of, you know, like things that the cosmic, you know, vending machine can give us. And it's like, okay, God, uh, please let me win the lottery. Get an A on a test I didn't study for. Uh, and I want, let's see, a new car too. Okay. And you know, whatever, put your tithe in or put your, you know, whatever, the prayer in, you know, and, and, it, and it comes out. <laughs> you might be like, going, yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I, I challenge you to think about your prayer life. Like, is it, is it come out, you know, is, is your conversation with God, God, will you fix this, help me here, this, 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 this. I think our view of God if we step away and actually look at our prayers, is, uh, how we pray is very telling of how we see God. And you see, Jesus here is saying He can't do miracles among them because He's not a cosmic vending machine. That the, the blessings and the gifts, and we've talked about this, that, that He gives us, that is, in order for us to be the conduit of His love, and His mercy to a lost and hurting world. But you know what? Even more important than that? What's more important to that than that? Than your health? Or your wealth? <laughs> or your car? Or getting an A on a test? Or any miracle? Or, or supernatural intervention that He brings in li- into your life? You know what all of that is for? He wants a relationship everything about god is about relationship with us all of life is about our relationship with god and others everything else is just commentary and jesus is here like he he can't be the cosmic vending machine to the people in his hometown because it violates the very nature of who he is. A relational God. And they didn't want that 
So Jesus could not be what he is not. So, he continues on, and, and Mark just is rocketing through. And Jesus is going from village to village, and he's, and he's teaching people, and he's telling them the truth about God and the, and the kingdom coming. And then he calls his 12 disciples together, and he begins to send them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal people. And he's sending them out, and, and, and I think we're going to get another clue of what does it mean to follow Jesus. Because the next verse right here in verse 8, he says, He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. He said, no food, no traveler's bag, no traveler's checks, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, very nice of him, but not to take a change of clothes. They're allowed to take a walking stick, the clothes on their back, and their sandals. Now, you might be sitting there going, well, why? I think that, that Jesus is teaching the disciples something here. That, that He is trying to show them that, you know what? Ultimately, your success in being a follower of Me is going to be your entire reliance on me. I remember uh, an exercise that I was part of a, of a, a, a young person's group uh, when I was a young person. And, and I, I was thinking about this this morning. This would never happen today. But what they did was they took all of us and they wanted us to to learn a lesson on, on what it is to be in need. They put us all on an RTD bus and sent us to downtown Los Angeles with no money to get back. And they said, good luck. I was a, I mean, I was a little kid. I mean, I was just like, I, I'm like, I can't imagine doing that today, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, so we get down there and, you know, we're tooling around downtown LA, you know, and we're like, you know, how, you know, how are we, how are we going to get back? And, and people, you know, we start talking to people and everything. And it, this, this is going to make you sound like, this is just going to make me look so bad. But remember, I was a little kid. Uh, I don't even think my parents know this. Uh, so we're going around. We're meant to, we're meant to, you know, try to figure out a way that we are going to get lunch and, and, and get home and, and all these kind of stuff. So me and my buddies, you know, we're walking around and we're talking to people and things like that. And, and we're like telling people, yeah, you know, we're part of this thing. and We have no way to get home or, you know, we have to rely on the goodness of other people. We don't have any lunch. Well, you know what people started doing? Giving us money. Giving us so much money that we're like, hey, this is not so bad. <laughs> In fact, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just going to tell you. We like raised so much money that like we all had enough money to go see a movie and like go get popcorn, which we did. <laughs> we hung out and then after we spent all the money in the movie theater, went back out and, and did our, you know, our sad song again and actually raised enough money to 
get home. And uh, it, it, I, the, the whole exercise, I don't know if it backfired or, or, or if it did what it was meant to do, but it, what, what it did was is put us in a, in a, in a position of, of need and, and, and total reliance. And this is really what Jesus is doing is saying, look, I'm going to put you out there and you think that you're self-sufficient. You think that you have it you know, all together. I'm going to put you out there to show you that you need other people, that you, you rely on the grace and the mercy of others. And he says, wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave. Why? What does it take to be able to stay in, a, in someone's home? Relationship. It takes humility, integrity, and it takes relationship. It's building relationships with people. He instructs them to do that. And then he says, look, if anyone refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, shake the dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. And really, this is an allusion to, uh, to uh, when, when Jews would go through a Gentile town, a place that was unclean, that they would shake the, the dust out of their feet. And here they're amongst their fellow Jews, and Jesus is saying, do the same thing. Like this is very powerful imagery. That that following me, and this is hard, is is more important than national identification. I know that's American heresy, but you know what? Our identity as a follower of Christ supersedes our identity to our to our nation doesn't mean you can't love your nation. It doesn't mean that you can't be patriotic. We can't be, you know, I'm very thankful that we live in the United States and we have no fear of anybody coming in and, and arresting us for talking about Jesus. I thank God all the time for that. But the reality is that our number one allegiance is to Jesus Christ. So, they go out and, and they're telling people, everyone they meet, in fact, to repent of their sins and, and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and heal many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. And, and basically, this is a kind of a snapshot of this kind of the first solo flight that, that the disciples have. And then Mark you know, jumps over and, and starts talking once again about the, the death of John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? Remember the guy who baptized Jesus and, and he, was, he was arrested and, uh, uh, and eventually he was executed? Well, everybody's talking about Jesus and, and some were saying, and they're answering this question, who is Jesus? Some people were saying, this is John the Baptist raised from the dead, which probably made Herod very nervous. That is why he can do such miracles. Others said he's the prophet Elijah. And others said he's like he's prophet like the other great prophets of the past. And basically all this buzz, everybody is talking about this Jesus, this Jesus who's coming and he's teaching and he's and he has all of this wisdom. And this Jesus who's healing people and this Jesus who who is in 
conflict with the religious structure of the day. And people are trying to, just like us today, are trying to figure out who is this Jesus? Well, the apostles return from their, 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 their first outing here, from their ministry, and, and uh, they told them that they had told Jesus everything that they have done and they had taught. And Jesus said, hey, you know what? You've, you've worked really hard here, that I'm sure you're tired. Let's, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place in rest a while, basically taking a sabbatical for ministry. A lot of pastors and a lot of just, you know, people just burn out in ministry because they're just, they're, there's always ministry to do and they, and they, and they feel guilty if they, if they take a time for themselves to rest. And Jesus is here saying, wow, you know, you guys have gone out, you know, you've, you've, you've told people about Jesus, you, you know, or me, you've, you've healed, you've done all these things, and, and now it's the, it's the time to rest. He says, let's go off by ourselves and let's rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and the apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd and He stepped from the boat and He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So He began teaching them many things. This is yet another clue to who Jesus is. And those of us who, who remember Moses and, and the end of his ministry, the last prayer that Moses had was this. Prayed to God that He would bring someone to lead the, the people of Israel because why? Because the people of Israel were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus here is saying, look, I am this person. I am the answer to Moses' prayer. So late in Late in the afternoon, so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, not even a Starbucks, anywhere near. And it's already getting late. They're like, Look, you promised us a sabbatical. We're tired that these people are hungry. You know, send them away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. And they respond to Jesus saying this. With what? That's the, that's the voice because it's not with what? Or, or you know, they, they didn't have happy tones. I mean, this, because the next thing is, we would have to work for months 
to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. They've just forgotten the lesson that they just had. Jesus told them, look, go out, you get a stick, you get some clothes, you get your sandals. You've got to rely on me for everything else. Once again, he's giving us an answer to this question of what does it mean to follow him? And the answer to that question, according to Jesus, is, look, I am going to call you to do things that you have no way in the ability of your own treasure chest or, 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 or knowledge or relational base or your own tenacity. That I am, I am going to give you a call that is so big that you have absolutely no hope of accomplishing this. You're like, great, sign me up, right? <laughs> Unless the Creator of the universe supernaturally intercedes. And they're obviously very distressed. So Jesus asked this, well, how much do you have? None. I mean, really is the answer. They don't have anything. He says, look, go find out. See, they're looking within themselves. They're forgetting that there is a, is a, a, a lot, much larger community that is present. In the E! News this week, I, I wrote an article about Jesus' multiplication. That Jesus is all about multiplication, we are all about addition. That, that we look at what we have and we say, if I add this, what does it matter? If I add this, what does it matter? In the example that, that I used, a lot of times, you know, God calls us, you know, we talk about this all the time, to to give of our fruit, first fruits. This is basically how we as followers of Christ, that, that we go out. That, that one of the things that, you know, one of our stick and clothes and, and sandals, act of obedience, is giving the first part of our income to the work of the bride of Christ, the church. That's just one of the things that we do as, as we follow. But a lot of times, the, the lie of addition creeps into our minds. And we say, I'm just a college student. And I only have $10 or $20, or, or that, that would be the first part of, of my fruit. And that would be a sacrificial gift to me. But what, what does that matter? And that is the disciples' mentality right here is like, with what? All I have is, is this little bit. I, 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 I can't make a dent in a, in a crowd of 5,000. I can't make a, a dent in my community or, or my, my city or my state or my world. He's like, go find out what you do have. And Jesus is going to change the mindset from addition to multiplication here. Check this out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread 
and two fishes. Fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to go have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, He kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. I can't imagine how long that took. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families, which probably times three there. So about 20,000 people were fed from those loaves. You see, Jesus' multiplication is this. That, that when we offer what little that we may think we have, or what, when we offer what is big, but we only think it's small in the scheme of things, that put in the supernatural hand of Jesus, that multiplies. Martha Hannah, who uh, is safely, uh, safely landed back in, in Haiti this week, that we talked about how at her workplace that 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 you know what they she was almost scoffed at like what you're going out to save the world again you know what can you do Hannah Martha Hannah <laughs> they probably got her name right uh, and 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 Martha sitting here is like, you know what? If I'm thinking about it in the, in, the, in the lie of addition, my presence there probably will make very little impact. But Martha doesn't believe in the lie of addition. She believes in the Jesus multiplication factor. Saying, you know what? I might not see how it's going to matter, I may not understand it, but that is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to relentlessly pursue the person God has created me to be, to be the tangible hand of Christ through giving of my first, if that's money and, and, and service and love, this is what it means to follow Jesus if you truly believe that He is the Son of God. That it means putting aside our, our tendency to hold on to what little we have and saying it doesn't matter if I bring that into the community or the kingdom. But saying, you know what? Jesus, I don't see how it matters, but I'm going to trust You. And you notice the difference here between Jesus and His healings? That people didn't believe in Him. They didn't have faith. And what, hap what happened? Nothing. 
nothing. Last week, the woman who's bleeding, what if she, she said she believed that Jesus could heal him, but never took a step toward him? Would she have been healed? Probably not. Probably not. Not only should she take a step toward him, but it was difficult to do so, that there was people and things and circumstances and cultural pressures that were going against her from getting to Jesus. But she said, you know what? I just know that I need to get to him. And if I could just touch him, that he could heal me. And through that, the Jesus multiplication happens. We start this story with with bad kind of situation happening for Jesus and the disciples. Then He sends them out. And then we have this, this huge kind of you know, ministry success, to say the least, right? Five bread, two fish, feed 5,000 or 20,000 people. You know, huge success. Immediately after this, Jesus insists that His disciples get back into the boat and cross the lake to Bethsaida, where He sent while He sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, He went up into the hills by Himself to pray. So once again, Jesus didn't forget that it was sabbatical time. Jesus didn't forget that the disciples had been working very hard and He had been working very hard. And sometimes, you know what? Inner, you know, thing, things happen. But, and, and stop this, this time of rest. But it doesn't mean that you just give up on, on the rest. That God works amazingly through the time that you just shut down and you focus on Him. And Jesus said, look, I insist now. All these people are still around. I insist that, we, that you take some time off. So he did that in verse 7. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble. I underlined in my Bible, serious. Because remember last time they were in a lake and Jesus was there, he was just sleeping. Like they thought it was serious, but he didn't think it was so serious. This time Jesus thinks it's actually a serious situation that's going on here. Rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning. My dad always said nothing happened, nothing good happens after twelve o'clock. This is once again. True, they shouldn't have been out there. But they were about 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Check out these next six words. He intended to go past them. They're in serious trouble by the admission of Jesus. And He's just going to intend, He's just going to walk past them. Looks like you guys are in serious trouble. Just thought you should know. As I, as I continue on here. 
They cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed in the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. They still didn't understand the multiplication factor that that when Jesus comes and intervenes, that amazing things are going to happen. And I don't know if you caught this, but this helps us once again answer the question, who is Jesus? And this time, this is Jesus telling us who He is. What happened here? That, that He's going toward the, the boat, right? He's going to pass them by. He's intending to pass them by. And then what happens? They think He's a ghost, that they're terrified. They, and then when they cry out, He speaks to them and He says, take courage, I am here. If you can quickly turn your Bibles to Exodus 33.19 and read this with me. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. What we see here is in real life, this, this being played out. The disciples are in serious trouble in the middle of the lake. And Jesus intends to pass in front of them with all of His goodness. And they scream out in terror. And then it says in Exodus, He will call out His name, Yahweh. That is the the name, the very name of God. This is the name of God that, that... God told Moses through the burning bush. And when Moses asked, who should I say called me, what did, sent me, what did God reply? I am. Let me read this again. He intended to go past him. They saw him walking on the water. They cried out in terror, thinking it was a ghost. They were terrified. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He called out, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. And let me tell you one thing. That here is an English edition. Actually, in the original Greek, says, take courage, I am. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You guys pray with me? Dear Lord, 
as we look at your character and your interaction with people and with your disciples, and we see just everybody coming in and, and trying to answer this question through Mark, you know, who are you? Are you a prophet? Are you a teacher? Are you a lunatic? Are you possessed by a demon? Are you a prophet? Are you just a carpenter? Or are you truly the Son of God? God, I just pray that if anybody here today is ready to say, you know what? I know that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God, and I'm ready to to follow Him. That just right now, just uh, where you sit, just just cry out to Him, Lord. I'm ready to follow You. I acknowledge that You are the Son of God. That You came to to die for my sins. And even though following You is obviously hard as we've seen, and that there's many times that we don't understand, I want to be part of Your multiplication. That I'm tired of just trying to add or subtract under my own power. But I give my life to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you.